Hello and welcome to All Things Travel. Chances are when you go on vacation, it starts with a flight somewhere. Today we're joined by our friends Rosanna and Dave, who are both flight attendants, to share with us some tips on how to fly like a pro. You're listening to All Things Travel, Episode 103, Original Air Date, April 6th, 2022. Well, Shane, we have some special guests with us here. Yes, we do. We have our good friends, Rosanna and Dave. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Wave the radio audience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rosanna and Dave, why don't you give yourselves a quick introduction for folks? So I am Rosanna, and I have been a flight attendant for 21 years, all with the same company, mostly out of the West Coast. All right. I'm Dave. I have been with four different airlines for approximately 13 to 15 years-ish. I have to really think. No, I've been 10 years this one. So 13, 14 years. 14 years with four different airlines. Started as a ticket, gate, bag, claim. Oh, that person at the airport that does it all. I did it. (laughs) And then met Rosanna and realized I could be paid more to serve Cokes and Smiles. Or that's what I thought I was doing anyway. He didn't like he didn't like that. getting sprayed with the icing fluid in the face and you know sub zero temperature. Actually, gotcha. it was cool to de-ice a plane. It was actually kind of cool at first. Then once it once you're once it wasn't once cool. you do it for a little bit, you're <laughs> like you this is not a cool job. Yeah, it's cold as heck. You're spraying this molting hot liquid out of a hose, and if you get it wrong, bad things can happen. <laughs> true, that's true. And you and all he, are coming to us from Oregon, correct? Oregon. Oh, yeah, Salem, Oregon. Live all from right. Salem, Oregon. That's awesome. where the witch trials were, right? No, that's Salem. <laughs> that's oh, the other Salem. Long town in Oregon. Wait, I, no, I, that's not right either. Okay. All I right. always get those confused. I would say that though we live in Salem, Oregon, neither one of us fly out of Salem, Oregon, because it's, it's the capital of Oregon, but it's one of the smaller cities. So. I actually, what are smaller cities? There's like four major cities. And, and Salem's one of them. And I don't fly out of Nobody Salem. flies in and out Nobody of Salem. Nobody flies out of Salem because we're only just over an hour from Portland. So my home gotcha. base, where I'm based, is Portland, Oregon. But Dave's is... LA. And has been Billy <laughs> Phoenix in LA. So wow, I, have been, I have been also based in other cities. I, I was based in uh, Denver and Seattle. And now I'm Portland. So and, and we're already going off off script as with the introduction. But Dave, <laughs> so e- even when you lived in Oregon, you were based out of Philly. Yes. So, <laughs> so with with that commute from Oregon to Philly, I think we're going to learn today there are some crazy intricacies when it comes to being a flight attendant. But first, Shane, before we get to all that fun, I want to know where in the world is all things travel, Rupert. Idaho. All right. Welcome, Idaho. It's our first stop in Idaho in our long storied career. Now, Dave and Rosanna, have you ever flown out of Idaho? We have flown in and out of several cities in yeah. Idaho. Boise. Boise is like the only Idaho city I think I know. Wait, what are the <laughs> other one? Idaho Falls, Pocatello. No, haven't been to any of those. Just Boise. Lewiston. Just Boise. And I'm not even going <laughs> to say why Boise sticks out. So. 
Yeah. That's an intricacy we won't cover. All right. Yes, that is an intricacy we won't cover on air. Shane, where do we want to meet our listener in Idaho? I was thinking Sophie's Chatterbox would be nice, a quaint little diner on the square. And then hopefully later we can catch a show at the historic Wilson Theater. I like that a lot. Well, welcome, Idaho. Hey, do us a favor. Reach out to Shane or I, either via email or on our Facebook group, because I've got a little thank you gift for you being on the show today. And speaking of thank you, we want to thank you for listening to our show today. If you want to make sure that you catch every show and never miss an episode, click that subscribe button. Unless you're in Apple Podcasts, then click that plus sign follow button. All right. So Dave and Rosanna, I want to know, kind of at a high level, give us an overview of your position as a flight attendant, because my guess is what I'm thinking your position is probably very different than what your position actually is. Now, was that pun intended? <laughs> High, High level, level overview. overview. Right, you know what? I didn't even catch that pun until you 40,000 Do we have, overview. yeah. yeah oh, from the window seat. 40,000 foot view. Well, I will say that our number one priority and the reason that we still exist on the airplane is safety. Okay. Uh, if, uh, if it wasn't for safety, the airlines would probably re you know, replace us with a vending machine. Oh, easy. But we're there for safety. That is our primary function. You're the eyes in the cabin, if you will. We are the safety of the passengers during boarding, at cruise, during descent, and on arrival, we are the safety professionals on board. Mm -hmm. Not just to get me my ginger ale. Nope. No, no, <laughs> because they could have a vending machine for that, and they could probably make a few more bucks. You know, just sticking cash in the vending machine all day long. Yeah, that's why did tenants know the aircraft inside inside the aircraft? We know it inside and out. We know where everything is, all the emergency equipment we need. We know all of our procedures. So it's kind of you guys. If you know CPR or anything like this, the more you train it, it, it becomes second yep. nature. So when we have a medical emergency, most people don't realize if you have a heart attack or your heart stops, you have four minutes to shock your heart before you're not getting it back. We have four minutes to get an AED on you and shock you. If not, you don't come back. Well, or you think about all that happens when someone has a heart attack and all the panic and all this kind of stuff. Flight attendants plow through all that to do just like an emergency, a paramedic would or an ER doctor or a nurse. You know, it's not just about if we wreck or where we land or anything like this and operating doors and other equipment. There's a lot more that goes on. There's a lot of things so, that could happen in flight. Yeah. Yeah. People see us serving those Cokes and smiles. I know. But our primary job is that. We're not sure, there for sure. we're not there for a good day. We're there for someone's yeah. bad day. We're, we're I there. Know, to I, I hear you. I hear you. In addition to serving our drinks and teaching us what we need to do in case of emergency, is that also kind of a procedural routine thing to, to get the passengers in a routine where they feel the order, feel the comfort of knowing that the situation is under control and we can just enjoy the flight? Is exactly. It, that and that's why we're, and that's why we're in a uniform. First of all, we are those to be looked to in the case of an emergency or any kind of incident. They can quickly identify us and look to us for guidance. And it starts, obviously, during boarding, we are doing things like we're looking for able-bodied passengers in case of any kind of an emergency or incident in the aircraft. We also pre-flight the aircraft before passengers get on. We're checking all the safety equipment. We're checking the safety of the aircraft. 
we're checking the seat pockets for the proper safety cards that will show you all the emergency functions of the aircraft. We're checking the fire extinguishers. We're checking the AED that's on board. We're checking all of the emergency equipment before passengers even come on board. And then as they come on board, we're checking for able-bodied passengers and we're checking our exit seat occupants, making sure they meet the criteria and providing assistance to people that may need special assistance to board the aircraft or you know, be comfortably seated, providing briefings to passengers that come on board with the assistance of another person and uh, small children that are traveling alone. And then we're also prepping things like food and meals and things that are going to be provided on the flight. But it all starts with the safety of the aircraft, everything else being secondary. I have to admit, I did not know that you did all that. That's amazing. Yeah, a lot of people don't. And and the safety demo, it's also, it's a federal aviation regulation. It's something the FAA requires of all airlines that we do, like the seatbelt, like who has not like, I, I guarantee you, there has is not a person that has not operated a seatbelt before, but because there could be, they require it. And I yeah. do find people every once in a while that can't figure out how to get it off, even though they've been in the car before. I showed them how to do it, and they'll stop me and say, I can't get my seatbelt off. Mm-hmm. Now, do you mind happen. those of us who are just reading or something and not paying attention to the presentation? Oh, we don't expect okay. So you mean, okay. you mean 99.99% of all passengers? Yeah. I guess that would be us, yes. <laughs> when the flight attendants are talking on the PA, we just get, we think the passengers are just hearing, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> So I'm interested, where did your love of travel come from? Well, I traveled a lot as a child, lots of Disneyland vacations, and we live about a 15-hour drive from Los Angeles, and that's where I grew up. And we would go every other year, we would drive to Disneyland for spring break. And I loved to do that. I loved the drive. I loved the road trip. I loved visiting Disneyland pre-California adventure and staying in one of those little (laughs) Peter Pan motels across the street, (laughs) did lots of camping, lots of national park trips. And I always loved to travel, but all the travel I did as a child was in a vehicle. My parents didn't fly anywhere. Just for a large family, it just wasn't really feasible to fly at that time in the 80s. In the early 80s. So we drove everywhere. And when I was in high school, I got on my first flight and it was a high school trip to Washington, D.C. And after that trip, I decided I was going to fly everywhere. I wanted to fly all over the world. I wanted to see it all. I had been to all the places you could drive to. And now I wanted to be in all the places you could fly to. Very I wanted cool. to travel in Europe, in the Caribbean. And, uh, and I think I've hit a lot of the places that were on my bucket list already. So I have Very to nice. come up with a new bucket list. Very <laughs> cool. For me, I was a military brat. About every year to two years, we'd moved. So I've probably lived in more states than most people have visited. So I was on a plane every year, guaranteed. If at minimum, we were flying to Reno to go see my mom's family every summer. And... Travel just kind of stuck with me. You know, it was like when you were born and raised into you're moving and you're consistently changing where you are and all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like in there. And then when you try to get, even now, like I'm in Salem, Lord, we've been here. Um, eight, nine years? Nine years. It's And I'm like, antsy. I'm like, okay, I'm getting bored of this place. <laughs> <laughs> so travel was easy for me to figure out. 
of course, like, you know, everyone has their bucket list. I want to see that. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, I lived in Alaska. And, and when I say lived in Alaska, if you look up Delta Junction on the Alaska map, it's in the middle of nowhere. Population 100, still to this day, population 100. It was Fort Greeley, Alaska. And then I've lived as far south as Florida. I was born in Concord, Massachusetts. Been living now in Nevada, California. I've lived all over the United States. So I was like, of course, I've got to experience the rest of the world, right? So hands down, travel is easy choice. Awesome. So talk to us about the training to become a flight attendant. Each airline is different. I don't recall. I think my training when I was at Horizon was three or four weeks. The minimum training for a smaller airline is going to be at least three to three and a half weeks. And at American right now is, I think we're at six weeks. I think like Delta goes up to eight weeks. And during that training, you are not paid. Some airlines put you up in a place during training. Others don't. You wow. have to do your own food for most airlines. It, so. and, and it's intense. So it's kind of an internship. Yeah. It's, and it's very it's intense. More like, it's more like airline boot camp. It, okay. it really, it's very intense. All your tests must be passed with a 90% or greater. Are you test- at home? You have a test every day over things like emergency procedures, emergency equipment, how to respond in a medical emergency, opening the aircraft's doors. And there's a test every single day. So you may have class from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, but you spend the whole night studying for the next day's test. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely very... If you've been to college, it's like cramming for your midterms and finals. But it's like cramming for finals every day. Mm-hmm. Definitely an intensive program. Yeah, we don't really know what all the airlines train as. I would been... say their training is probably fairly standard across mm-hmm. the board because it's fe- federally regulated. Yeah. So the FAA sets a line and then the airlines have to meet or exceed it. Gotcha. Exactly. Most airlines exceed it. So each airline's training is different in one way or another. I wouldn't say one's better than the other, especially safe in safety terms. I would never say oh, well, we do it this way, so we're better. Yeah. No, I, I, especially safety-wise, I wouldn't put that up. I, I there don't might think be a difference airline... in how you approach customer service or protocols with that, but not where, not when it comes down to what Rosanna was saying, you know, this is our actual job. Right. Yeah. The customer service training, I think, at most airlines during ground school is minimal. Very, very Because minimal. you're going to do customer service training once you get on the aircraft. And gotcha. even that's going to be pretty minimal. So the ground school portion okay. is basically a lot of information, not customer service. I agree with her, but there is a, a way that airlines kind of ship through people. And I mean, they don't need the customer service training. Now, honestly, if you look at things anymore, like you'll think, oh my God, airlines really need customer service training. But they have a hundred positions open for a flight attendant and they have 50,000 applicants. So they're not high, they're not looking for someone that's never been in a customer service oriented job. You know, gotcha. a lot of this stuff anymore, like, you know, no, no flight attendant. I don't think there's a single flight attendant that gets on board and goes, you know, I just want to be crappy at customer service. <laughs> I don't think anyone does that. I really think that's some uh, of them are, but. yeah, some of them are, but, <laughs> but the, the honest truth is it weighs on you. So, of course, the airline making schedules really difficult. I mean, this goes, this kind of goes down a rabbit hole a bit, but 
there's that. And now we have the mask mandate stuff that we have to deal with. And of course, you know, everyone has their points. And then you're just going to snap a picture. Look at that JetBlue guy that popped the beer, popped the slide and slid down that. Like he had it. He was done with customers abusing him. So there's only so much abuse you can take before, well, that line's crossed. But as far as I think something I would mention about training is that when you get hired at any airline, they have to put you through that airline's ground school, which is what we were talking about, like being about three to six weeks. You don't have to have any education in aviation before that to be hired. And I know here in the Pacific Northwest, there was a school called the International Air Academy, and they taught a bunch of different airline careers and some of them were even, they taught you how to be a travel agent back in the day when there was a lot more brick and mortar travel agencies, but they also did travel or a flight attendant training. And the airlines think that those type of colleges are a complete joke because anything that they want you to know, you're going to learn in your initial. They're going to, they're going to train you the way they want. Yeah, you to. exactly. Yeah. And they must to add on to that. Like I've been with four different airlines now <laughs> and three of them granted were emerge and one was with horizon. So when you do that, like I was with horizon, they had one way to do it. And when I'm, then I went to technically it was America West and then it merged to us and then American. Every single airline did it differently. And I had to learn each different one differently. And it's when you have something drilled into you and you've got like a routine and, and you've got it memorized and they all of a sudden they're like, okay, now you have to change it. <laughs> that's not an easy task. So that's why airlines thought those places were jokes because all they're having to do is they, they got this great candidate, but now they have to retrain that brain. Yeah. Gotcha. And that's yeah. more difficult. It does. So with- I still think it goes a long way to have some sort of an education, either a two-year degree or a four-year degree is helpful especially in looking like a good candidate to be hired, but it's not necessary. They generally want to see two years of customer service experience, but any kind of education you have is definitely a bonus in at least getting an interview. So David, with each merger, did you have to reattend the the boot camp style training unpaid? No. With, okay. So, no. We had some integration training. We did have integration training, most of us web-based, and then we went to... There might be an additional day of our recurrent and we do recurrent every single year or something to learn the new way and all this kind of stuff. They, they, there is like a buffer period for those that are already hired in here. When you but, to, you might bring on aircraft that the airline was not previously flying. So that the flight attendants mm. on one half of the... You, you need to relearn those. They're going to have to learn mm-hmm. the other aircraft. So you have a little different procedures for each aircraft. Each, uh, yeah, every aircraft has its own procedure. Wow. Hey you, yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. So do flight attendants end up kind of having their own, their favorite air airplanes oh, to work on? Definitely. 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 Just, just as like pilots, dude. We all have our favorites. I mean, it's kind of like driving a car. You have your favorites. Yeah. yeah. 
Is that usually universal or are there certain ones that, is it kind of a mix of just depending oh, on your personality? Oh, it's, it's, a personal, personal it's a personal preference. My airline used to fly an aircraft that was a small aircraft, a 37-seater, and only had one flight attendant. And, and it was called a Dash 8. And the flight attendants and pilots that flew it, they were often referred to as Dash Trash. Except (laughs) instead of flying the jet, there were, but there are a ton of flight attendants and pilots that preferred that aircraft, especially Uh for flight attendants, because you were the only flight attendant, which meant you could do things your way. You didn't have to confer with another flight attendant on how the service was going to be conducted. You know, so if that flight attendant felt like just going way out of her way, I mean, you could get, you know, eight refills on a 45 minute flight because it's the flight attendants show that one flight attendant would run the show. That, when she says that, I want everyone to know that doesn't mean that's company policy, that that flight attendant did that <laughs> on her choosing. Because <laughs> then otherwise they could get on a plane and be like, well, Rosanna said a flight attendant right. choose to yeah. do eight refills. <laughs> yeah. Every 15 minutes. I want this Well, you know, get on my plane and you might get a refill. You say that, but when you run out. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> our job is what exactly both of you thought. Like you didn't realize how much what gotcha. actually is behind the scenes. But that is our job. Our job is so, not to serve you really right. coats sure, and sure. smiles. <laughs> <laughs> what are some travel do's and don'ts for airline passengers from your perspective? <laughs> Give us the dirt. dirt. Okay. What do we do I'll, I'll that drives you crazy? I'm good at this. This is, I could do this all day, in fact. His but. adult list is about 300,000. <laughs> <laughs> it totally is. So, I mean, honestly, though, it, it comes down to society, okay? To put yourself in the shoes of the passenger behind you or in front of you. Mm. Okay, that, those are the do's and don'ts. For example, ladies. I know your hair's long, some of your hair's long, and you like to flip it up and then put it over your seat. But guess what? You just put your hair probably in my drink, in my food, or in my face. That's just rude. Over you know seats. what, Dave? I have never had anyone in front of me do that ever. Watch, it's going to happen now. You're going to land. I'm going to see you in Mexico, and you're going to be like, Dave, it happens. And I'm like, yeah. Like, uh, I just think there's that hair wash. I can you got you got a water bath. I've seen people take their <laughs> shoes off and kick their feet up, like if they're sitting on the window, onto yes. the armrest of the person in front of them, I've knees against the back of the seat in front of you. Like all those things bother those passengers around you, and it's just simple societal things. Like, would you do this to someone else just so you could be comfortable and you don't care about those around you? You know, there, there's a reason those. You know, and I'm sorry for everyone named Karen right now, but there's a reason millennials and zillennials or all of them have started that whole thing. Oh, don't be a Karen. Well, the Karens are the ones doing these things. It's because they think that they're almost narcissistic. Don't be narcissistic. It's as simple as that. You know, think about everything around you and like, well, if I put my foot on this guy's armrest and take my shoes off, is that person going to be angry? Of course, they, they, I don't smell your feet. <laughs> so let me right? ask this. If I have a neighbor that does that, do I reach out to you as the flight attendant? Do I handle it myself? That's a really sticky wicket, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, in a in a perfect world, you would ask the flight attendant, but also it makes you come off like a tattletale. Yeah. So <laughs> And there's not much power in that. You don't want everyone to look around you going, you know, that will tell. You could just say to, I would just say to that person, hey, would you mind? That's So here's something I would say is like a don't. 
And Rosanna and I might differ on this. So when it comes to like, you just, that, must, that question was so perfect, actually. Like do, you pointed out to the flight attendant, you don't handle yourself. Well, the flight attendant, we're not a teacher. We're not a principal. We're not, you know what I mean? Our job is to be there for safety and security. I mean, we can ask a passenger for you for this, that, or the other thing, but we cannot make someone do anything. Well, not yeah, unless yeah. they're violating a law and then we have other procedures that we would have sure, to do. Sure, but right, right. I mean, a lot so of... Like, what, can you ask that? a flight attendant for something like that? It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not that person's parent. I don't control them. I can't, there's not much I could do other than ask just like you could. And all you're doing is passing that uncomfortableness to the flight attendant who's <laughs> trying to do their job. Yeah, gotcha. I would Good something to know. like that. Makes sense could- to me. Yeah. If you couldn't address it on your own, like if you felt very uncomfortable or if the person just blew you That's off, true. Uh, one thing I would do in that situation, because you're just going to make it worse, is I would not push the call button. Repeatedly. Re- right. Repeatedly push the call button. <laughs> well, right? I think that, though, I mean, if you push the call button. In a row, right, Rosanna? <laughs> if you push the call button, I don't care if people push the call button. But if you push the call button and I come to your row, you're going to have to tell me what's going on <laughs> and then it's this big thing right gotcha. but if, if something like that was going on and, and you weren't able to get it taken care of on your own as you head to the restroom yeah i would maybe just mention to the flight attendant hey this guy's easier to deal with it like that he's gotcha. doing like x y and z you know would you mind maybe just passing by his row and if you see him doing it and you think it's not okay can you say something to him it just prevents it from blowing up into a big thing. Like if you push the call button and you have to tell me everything, now you do look like a big title. Totally to understand. You're making an issue yeah. when maybe <laughs> it could have been resolved with a simple ask. Uh, yeah, and, and quietly kind of a thing. And if all else fails, accidentally spill yeah. your Bloody Mary mix on them. <laughs> well, you know, make sure you're traveling <laughs> with duct tape because I hear that's really effective. <laughs> it's always been my bag. I told you guys to. That's I get it. We're going to go to Mexico now. I'm going to show you. I'll pull out of my bag. I have a huge <laughs> thing of duct tape. I would, you know, when you heard those reports of the duct tape incidents, I've never heard anything like that in my life. I can't imagine that flying at my airline. But I will tell you that I have flex cuffs on board and I am not afraid to use them. Wow. <laughs> Don't make go. me go get them. So what other do's or don'ts? Yeah. You know, what we keep we're going. talking about, we've talked about before is when the flight attendant is approaching your row to do mm. a service or to talk to you if you're in an exit seat, if you would please take out at least one of your headphone earbuds. Guilty. I'm very guilty. Yeah. Oh, I, the music I was stops. Too. I was too. And I'll tell you, so like Rosanna pointed that out to me that I did that. And I was like, but I hear him just fine. She's like, it's just rude because, and here's the thing is what happened was she pointed it out and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I hear him just fine. And I, I was just thinking my perspective. Well, then I was working like the following week and of course someone did take their earbuds out and it, it's really frustrating when I now have to project, do they want something to drink and like take your earbuds? I'm like, oh, okay. So now I do it all the time. So she is just, right. Uh, you don't have to take all your headphones off, but you could just give me an ear. That way I know you hear me. What really bothers me is if you leave both of your earphones in and I ask you, would you like something to drink? And you still have both your phones in and you said, what? <laughs> and then I said, would you like something to drink? What? Dude, you know 
but you can't hear me. Why don't you take an ear? I can't take it out for you. Maybe I should just reach over and start taking them out of people's ears. Wow. I mean, that's definitely one way to do it. I mean, if you want an assault charge in today's (laughs) world, Maybe but some I sort of brochure on. Maybe just some sort of brochure on courtesy, right? You, your table is someone else's back. Your bag is someone else's table. Yeah. You're sharing an armrest. Mm-hmm. You can't when hear someone them needs because your attention. you're. Yeah. It, it all comes down. It all comes down to what I said. It's about society and respecting society around. No, it's I, not I like about. That. No, I like that. A big hot button oh, for a lot something. of it. Are you- this is something I'm going to give a secret, a, a tip to to people specifically on planes, if you were sitting in the aisle or you were sitting in the window, the two armrests in the middle should belong to the middle person. Yeah. Dave. Yeah. Victory. No, we don't need, we don't need to middle share that. Game. You can, look, no, you no, can no. totally open that dialogue and it makes it much simpler. Like, oh, do you want the armrest? Do you mind if I rest here? You know, and like, I know your elbow's there, but do you mind if I rest mine here? So this, because there's not that awkward touching them. Like, are they worried about this? But honestly, if you are in a middle seat, like it's, it comes to society thing. They're stuck in the middle. The, the least thing you could do to be courteous is let them have that armor. And if you're sitting Agreed. on the aisle because you wanted to be on the aisle, don't you dare eyeball me with my three. <laughs> okay. Because I'm going to get up to go to the bathroom and you're going to let me up because you want to be aisle. <laughs> well, that's something I always do. If I have an aisle seat, I'll always tell the the middle of the window seat, don't hesitate to get up if you need to get up. I'm going to get up a couple of times. If you need to get up, do not hesitate to ask. See, I'm a window kind of person. I want the window because I can lean against it. I can snuggle with it and I don't feel weird in any way about it. And I usually don't need to get up. So I could just, that's my like extra space, even though it's a wall and it's not a space, but like, you know what I mean? Like if you're in the middle, I can't lean one way or the other. <laughs> I, you know, I agree thing- with you, but I like having the independence of being on the aisle. Yeah. Yes, I do too. Because then I, I can I, decide, I always even though I'm going to get slammed in the shoulder 16 times during <laughs> that flight. Be that, careful, that I'd rather the be flight attendants. When the flight attendants are rolling the cart through the aisle, you really no, make wor- sure you are tucked in. The worst is really- when you're in the aisle and and a couple of people have to pass each other right by your seat and you get a nice butt right in your face. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I would say that as far as what flight attendants, you know, things that would surprise people or whatever about being a flight attendant is sometimes we can spend almost as much time as a passenger as we are doing our job duties as a flight attendant because a lot of our flights are repositioning mm-hmm. or returning to our home base. So we have a lot of perspective as a passenger as well sure, as a flight absolutely. attendant because we are professional passengers. Yeah, think about it. I was commuting from Oregon, from Portland, Oregon to Philly. So my commute right. was two flights and eight hours of flying just to go. To- and that's a commute, but we also do something we call deadheading. Where yeah. deadheading just means mm. we're passengers and we're being moved to wherever they need us. And we often spend a lot of our day deadheading. So we are professional passengers in that capacity as well. That's so a we really have a interesting of- point. I hadn't mm-hmm. thought of that. Yeah. When you're a passenger, do you typically order drinks on flights? We, we not a deadheading. You can't drink. Can't drink that we're technically working crew on deadheading. No, just when you're just on vacation or something, when you're flying somewhere, do you 
after seeing if I want a drink. Oh, hell okay. yeah. We okay. sure as hell are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, because you're not on the clock in any way. Oh. I was trying to not point out that like when I'm on a plane, I'm drinking. But when we're on vacation, yeah, we are uh, We definitely like, especially if we've been pouring that red wine in first class all, you know, month. Now we can finally get a chance <laughs> to taste it. Heck yeah, we definitely. Okay. But so not if, if we're deadheading. If we're on company time, then we can have alcohol. But we are self-serve snacks and beverages just like the rest of the passengers. Gotcha. So, gotcha. so if so, we're serving something horrible, we know it because we're tasting it too. <laughs> <laughs> I always say yes to the checks mix. I always say no to the brownie brittle. I'm just saying. Oh, it's terrible. I love the brownie it's brittle. Terrible. That is like saying the the Disney popcorn was not as good as you thought it was. <laughs> the brownie brittle is so good. Anyway, okay. So last question in this area with when it comes to kind of working with your flight attendant, understanding, you know, the pro tips, giving your flight attendants gifts. So like people I've seen people bring baked goods or things like that, like from a store. And also tipping, are those expected? Are those, are like, how does that factor in th- those two things? So yeah. try not to bring, try not to bring, if you're going to bring your flight attendants, anything, don't bring anything that could have been tampered with. Because so, I don't bring them like, like, don't, they'll bring donuts to, from a sport place. And I'm yeah, just don't like, bring that just McDonald's. seems creepy to me. It, it yeah. would have to be something individually wrapped. So uh-huh. no, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to. The thing is, you bring something like donuts, right? It if it's in a sealed box, great. The, yeah. Most people will probably eat it, even if it's not some people bite. The thing is, flight are also very wary of things like that because one, safety and security. Someone sure. could be trying to poison them, drug them, whatever. Like me, I'm just a little bit OCD like that. If someone can access the food, I don't want it. But um, like you'll see them bring, people will bring candy, all that kind of stuff. Tips are across the airline, not allowed. Okay. Does it happen? Yeah. (laughs) I was trying to think about another one. Yeah. My my airline's policy on tipping is we are a union and it is frowned upon because it could be also considered a kickback tipping in cash, not food. But the policy is also that we are to refuse it up into the point that it would be rude to the customer to continue. Yeah. So if you just keep at, you know trying to give me a $5 bill and I've said no and I've said no repeatedly, at the point that it's now being, I'm being rude, then I would have to accept it. But I think generally across the board, it, it's frowned upon. But Interesting. hey, we will take food in a sealed <laughs> package. So, like you want right. to bring Snickers bars. No, good, like, to know. Hey. good to know. So, people don't realize... Uh, Usually people work, you'll work your eight hour days. You guys get two fifteens and a 30 minute lunch. Why didn't stop? We work under the Railway Labor Act, which is let's just, there's no rules really regarding uh, it. Eight hour days. No so break. the unions are the only thing that causes us to have breaks or anything like that. So when, when you have a, and this is something that's crazy, but we don't get chance to eat, grab food and all this kind of stuff. So if you see flight attendants, like they're like eating in the galleons, because that's probably the only time they've had to eat. So snacks are always welcome and all that kind of stuff. And of course, it makes us happy. Who is it happy? Like you're giving me food. I've had some people bring out like Starbucks, like small Starbucks cards for each of the crew. And that is so sweet. Yeah, but that's just you know, that's my Starbucks addiction. And that's- he doesn't have a Starbucks. Because <laughs> as flight attendants that live in airports, you're never around a Starbucks. Never. <laughs> yeah. Never. So- 
I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, come on. How many people, like, especially if you're working a really long day, like I've had days and I've had flights, of course, 16 hours flying to Greece and everything, but, but I've had days go as long as like 16 hours with multiple legs a day, dealing with multiple different people's boarding into playing, had no time for myself. Sometimes that coffee is the only thing that gets me through. Yeah, sure. But just beside the point. So yeah, I would just say, if you're going to bring your flights into something, make sure it's in a sealed container, maybe a gift card, whatever like that. But most flight attendants won't touch something like if you try to post it, bring them a bunch of McDonald's hamburgers that most airlines, right? We yeah, we're not going to know. We just wouldn't know if it was. Safe. We don't know what's. No, in. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. No, those are just th- both of those things are things that I've seen on planes. I've never done that myself either with tipping or offering a little gift, and I, I just kind of wondered if that was something that I was missing. But this is good advice for everybody. When- most of the time, when you see people, most of the time, I'm not going to say all the time. But most of the time when you see people bringing candy and stuff like that for Fightons, it's another crew member right, or airline gotcha. personnel because mm. we know the life. We, yeah. we know what they're going through. So we're like, I could get you through your day. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know if you need fun. Sometimes our frequent flyers will bring something too. And that's just become their routine. Like we have a lot of million milers and a lot of those guys, they just, they fly all the time and they see us all the time. And, and a lot of times those are the people that will bring us like something little because they see us so much. And I mean, it's just like a nice courtesy. But I would say when Dave and I fly on our benefits to go on vacation, what I usually do is I pop into the Dollar Tree and get a couple packs of, you know, the individual like Snickers or whatever. So it's like an eight pack of Snickers. Mm -hmm. I might buy a couple packs. And so I have like one for the flight going and one for the flight coming back. Your typical domestic flights are going to have anywhere between two and eight flight attendants. So if I get an eight pack, I got enough for everybody. And it's actually not hard to figure out. 90% of the time when you are flying, you're going to have four flight attendants on the flight. 90% of the time. It's actually three to four domestically. Domestically. Um, And even Mexico, Canada, three to four. It could be lower, but three to four is going to be your 90% range. So anything greater is unlikely, but you'll know it because if you're on something that's a wide body, you're going to have a minimum of eight flight attendants. You're going to have at least one flight attendant for every 50 passengers on no, board. You, you could do that too. Mostly think about doors. For, for, for passengers, easier to think about doors, right? If there are eight doors, there's four flight attendants. One flight attendant per two doors. So... But on a wide body, it doesn't work that way because we need one flight attendant per door. So it kind of works that way. But see it on an ongoing... The long haul international. Right. So see, this is where it becomes yeah. flight attendants become preference of things. Well, you knew when we asked you to be on this show, you knew this question was going to come up because <laughs> you know Shane and I love travel stories. And I bet each of you, as much as you can share... What's a crazy story that's happened to you on your job as a flight attendant? Have you thought of when you want me to go first? You go on ahead. I've got lots, but I've got one specific. I thought about this because I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I had a good one and it was appropriate. So this one actually is recent. I was flying LA to Miami and we had a lady that the flight was insanely late. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't LA, Miami. Excuse me. I apologize. It was, where does, where does Brian and Amber live? St. Louis. Louis. It was St. Louis to Miami. It was insanely late. The the plane was insanely late. And when it finally got in and everything, they, they were trying to rush everyone on. We were trying to make up time, all that kind of stuff. 
Somehow between all of that, this lady got on inebriated. Well, the problem with getting on inebriated is when you go up to 40,000 feet, even though the passion, even though the passenger cabin is pressurized, your blood thins. So therefore, if you were, let's just say you, you blew up 0.08 on the ground, that's probably going to triple in air, which now becomes a medical issue. So this is why you cannot board inebriated. Gotcha. Well, somehow this lady slipped by and she was one of those anti-maskers. Well, I don't make the rules. We don't make the rules. I was the lead flight attendant. So mostly I had to deal with it. This lady was inebriated. She was trying to not keep her mask on. Flight attendants have asked her over and over again. We don't want to deal with this. We do not want to be your parents and hold your hand. We right. have to do what we are told to do. <laughs> yep. And I kept, we kept, they kept asking her. They finally got me involved. I went and asked her nice and like, look, will you please keep your mask on for the remainder of the flight? We only have 45 minutes till we land in Miami. She wouldn't. And then at one point she took her mask off and purposely broke it as if we don't have extra masks. <laughs> oh, there's no like, other right masks. In front of me, she just went like this and went and snapped it. And so I got her another coat. mask and I'm like, you need to wear this. And if you continue this problem, I have to call the police. And when we land, you will be met by the police. So she put it on. And, uh, and this is sad, but at this point, I have to become like a parent and a babysitter. I walk three steps behind her, turn around and look at her. And I watch her take it off and break another one. So I get another mask. I bring it to her and I told her, ma'am, you are becoming a big problem. The captain has informed me to tell you, I had to go talk to the captain at this point. The captain told me to tell her all this stuff and to specifically relate that it was from the captain. I did. And she just kept doing it. <laughs> I literally had to drop my dad voice. I'm like, you are a issue. And I was clapping my hands. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sorry. And so when we landed, I had to have her arrested. And it just sucks. No, well, you say good for me, but that's, you have no idea how much work is now sure. behind the scenes on that, that I have to do all because an adult can't. Right. So what you should have said. Keep their mask on. I'm like. Don't make me do paperwork. Children come on and their masks are perfect. An adult comes on, it's below their, look, I get it. All right. None of us want to wear the mask, but this is, it's not my fault. I didn't make the rules. I just have sure. to do this. That, that, that so, kills me. Like a two-year-old can wear, I, I have two and a half-year-old wearing their mask for four and a half hours and they're not giving anybody a problem. And then they don't. And, right, I don't, don't take it out of the attitudes. <laughs> that is not the place for you to stand up for yourself or anyone else. Because, you know, people are trying to get to their place. And if we have to divert because you're not wearing your mask, again, it comes down to yeah. it's about us as a whole, not you. It's a community yeah. effort. Exactly. Well, and if another passenger had needed some sort of attention, you might have missed it because she was drawing so much of everyone's attention. Right. Right. And that's where the federal law comes in because now you're interfering with a crew member's duties. And that is actually a federal mm -hmm. offense. That is a felony federal offense. I've had a few issues like that. And I had to you know, conversations where the FBI would have to call me to find out what happened. Not necessarily, mine were not masking issues, but with issues of passenger on board. So the crew members have to talk to the FBI because if you interfere with a crew member's duties on board, that is a federal offense. Federal offense. Wow. The port, the port wow. police will meet the passenger and, and deal with it, but ultimately it's the, fed or the feds that charge them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so wow. that's the story I choose to tell. I've got many others. <laughs> we'll say those for the bar. 
But I have so many that they just swim around in my brain and I, I can't pull one of them out. But I, I did think of one and it's also very recent. And I have had other people arrested as well. And those are all lots of fun stories. None of them were mask issues. Most of my passengers have been fairly compliant with the masks, but you know, that is a problem right now. Nobody's going to be sad to see the mask mandates go away because it, it's just a huge problem. But recently, before the most recent service animal changes, now there are some new um, policies and regulations regarding having a service animal on board. Thank God that I had a passenger's service animal bite me. Oh, oh wow. No, wait, wait. I, wait, I air quote. wait. Yeah, wait. Carrie's air quotes. Service animal. Air quotes are allowed on this show, by the way. Air quotes, service animal. Service animal. Somebody's BS service animal. It's my emotional support animal. It's my emotional support Paris Hilton accessory because she started. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that was an issue where I just, I needed to get a passenger's attention that was sitting on a window seat. And I just, I reached out my arm. And I I was like, ma'am. And the dog lunged at me a bit. Wow. And, you know, lots of paperwork. Nobody wants to deal with that. It cuts into our time. Like, <laughs> you know, we have to. So when something happens like that, like the mass, all this kind of stuff, we now have to file paperwork with um, the FAA, our company, paperwork. and our union. All this kind of stuff has to be involved. And we have to file. We actually have a time limit on how to file, when to file. And so it could cut into our sleep time on an overnight. It could end up cutting into... Us trying to get home, all this kind of stuff. Wow. It's dramatic. I'm like, it's just so much easier if people would just do what they just be doing. Yeah. Just yeah. On nice. that, on the service animal note, please just don't bring an animal on board that's not a service animal to roam the aircraft. It's sure. I, I mean, you're in no way speaking against service animals. That's not what <laughs> no, I'm hearing at all. I it's the that- loopholes. Because I, yeah. I have friends who would get bogus letters so that Fifi could fly with them to New York City and all that stuff. And yeah, it's ruined it for everybody else. You know, what's really sad is, you know, I have friends that have PTSD from what going to Iraq, going to Afghanistan, and they have a PTSD dog. And then these people walking around saying it's an emotional support animal, which is that's technically what a PTSD dog is, trying to claim the same thing. Right. You are dishonoring every service member or anyone who actually needs that. Who has a medical need. So keep that in mind when you do things like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it can, it causes a problem in a lot of different ways. I have had, obviously I've had that dog bite me. I have also had dogs attack each other on board and a trained service animal would never attack an, a person or a dog like that. So you know that they're not real service animals when the dogs are lunging at each other or lunging mm-hmm. at people. So it's just dangerous. We allow pets on board. We allow pets in the cabin, in a carrier, and we allow pets in the cargo. That is an extra charge. But my gosh, if you can afford the flight, you can afford to pay the few bucks if you want to take precious little Fido with you. They can come. They are welcome to come. Want- well. David Rosanna, thank you so much for joining us today. If people are are interested in reaching out because you're not only flight attendants, you're also travel advisors with Creating Magic Vacations. 
if they want to pick your brains about travel, maybe it's to Idaho, maybe it's to Philly, maybe it's to Oregon. Who knows? All these cool places we've talked about today. Rupert, Idaho. How can they reach out to you? We have a website, which is MagicalTravelWithRosanna.com, R-O-S-A-N-N-A, MagicalTravelWithRosanna.com, or also email either one of us at our names, Rosanna at CreatingMagicVacations.com or Dave at CreatingMagicVacations.com. Great. And Shane will put that in the show notes as well. And we would love to help you plan your next amazing vacation. We are both travel advisors with Creating Magic Vacations. You can reach out to us at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at creatingmagicvacations.com, or me, S-H-A-Y-N-E, at creatingmagicvacations.com. Most families are confused and overwhelmed when planning a vacation. We work with you to plan a perfect trip for your interests, saving you time, money, and stress. 